1: Hey everybody, welcome back. It's another episode of The Command Zone. This is our 20th episode.
2: Holy crap!
0: I mean, hey. how's it?
1: How's it? <laughs> Whoops. It's, uh... Dang
0: it.
2: I always say how's it first, and you screwed me up, Jimmy. I Thanks know, a lot. I know,
1: sorry. Uh, uh, my name is Jimmy Wong, and... Oh, I'm Josh
2: Lee Kwai. And we have a special guest today. I'm
3: You're... Craig Blanchett.
2: You're not that special anymore, Craig. It's like your fourth, third, fourth time on the show? Yeah, third or fourth. I don't know. It's I your lost last count, count, But I love well. being here. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> that was the dramatic uh, soap opera music.
1: I think third time's the charm. I'm down with that. Uh, like so today, of course, we are finishing off our Commander set review of uh, the Commander 24 theme decks, and we're on blue, and Woo-hoo! we brought Craig in because Craig, yes. <laughs> Craig is the only one out of all of us that has a... I'm Jimmy the Red, so I have a mono red deck. I only have one. Craig has two mono blue decks? Uh, now three. Now three.
2: Craig has three mono blue decks. Yeah, yep. he just loves this color. I thought you liked blue, Josh. No. I like blue, but I'm really like five color guy yeah that's really my identity like every color yeah (laughs) yeah so we thought we'd bring in the expert craig here so craig tell us a little bit about your other two
1: uh commander decks that are blue
3: so my other two are memnark and uh talran so they both go off completely different uh dynamics memnark is all about you know building up a mana base really fast and then getting a bunch of artifacts out and then stealing everybody else's stuff uh, and Talrance. monster, yeah, you're a Monster. Yes. Oh, that's my favorite. It's one of my first. I played against somebody else who was playing it, and then they started taking all my stuff, and I was like, who is this general? Why is he playing with an <laughs> artifact? <laughs> and they were like, oh, because it's blue, and it's in, uh, in, down in the description, you can play him as a blue general. And I was like, ah. Oh. I'm so excited. You monster. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other one's Talrand, which is all about, you know, cantripping into extra cards. You basically play a bunch of cantrips to get a bunch of flyers and extra effects and then you just build up this army of flyers that—that's
2: a lie. It's all about countering everybody it's, else's yeah. spells, yeah. And then always having okay. a two-two yeah. flyer come in. It's all about okay. countering a spell and then getting a two-two flyer. For and you. that as well. I I, <laughs> I have pretty much
3: all the the counters in there, and uh, you know, bounce bounce target creature back to the player's that hand. That deck is blah, the blah, blah. best
2: deck when you're playing like two-headed giant or three-headed yeah. giant because it's a, just a great support deck. It's like I shut down everything my opponents are trying to do, all the important stuff, and then my partner can actually kill them.
3: I yeah. totally yeah. agree. Talrand is the perfect support. Yeah.
2: Okay, so we're talking about the Mono Blue deck as constituted from the Commander 14 uh, deck list. Um, we're going to do the same thing we did for the last one, which is we'll talk about the deck, what it wants to do, uh, what you know the generals are, which ones you might want to pick, what the best cards are, the worst cards, and then we're going to talk about some cards that you might want to add in. So let's start about talking about what this deck list looks like it wants to do. This one's complicated. It's it took, very weird. Yeah. I, I mean, we had to look at it for a little while to figure out, like, what... It was trying to do the other ones are pretty yeah. simple, like green is elves, white is tokens, reds artifacts, black is graveyard recursion. This one was like, uh, <laughs> hold on. Let me, let me, well, I have a statistical breakdown, so I'll, I'll read that first because um, we've done this for all the rest of them. So the blue deck has uh, about four cards that are either Wraths, Mass Removal, or Mass Bounce. yeah, yeah. About three cards that are single target removal, spot removal. There are 11 ramp cards. There are 16 card draw cards, uh, which is a lot, but blue is known for it. This Um, is the weird one, the next one. Yeah. uh, You would expect blue to have a lot of counter spells, or I also included uh, spells that change the targets of other people's spells. Mm -hmm. There's only three, so that's kind (laughs) of weird. So it's not super controlly, but there are 12 what I would call big, splashy, high-impact, enter-the-battlefield-type creatures. So creatures that come in, they cost like seven, eight, nine mana, and they do Do something. stuff, yeah. Yeah, when they enter something big. There are three clone effects. And then there was also sort of this tempo-y, tap-untap shenanigans stuff. There's about four of those. So it's really hard to draw any conclusions from those statistics.
1: Yeah, it's weird, too, because you wouldn't expect blue to have the... I mean, blue does have big creatures, big butts, like Stormtide Leviathan or whatever. And it's weird, though, because usually, like, Craig's two decks are... One's a straight counterspell deck, and the other one is about stealing your stuff. That's what I think of when I think of blue. Yeah, exactly. Especially because blue is considered the most powerful color just because it was and I, unbalanced as heck in the old days. And I days. think
3: those two effects are the two most powerful effects that Blue has. Like, somebody yeah. puts something in, and you're like, I take it. And they're like,
2: no, I just yeah. spent all this man on that. Well, it's that. like, I either stop it from ever exactly. coming out, or yeah. I steal it. Yep. Yeah, that's sort of what Blue's known for. Yeah. But and this usually deck's not for, doing that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it, it is interesting, though. I'm glad it has a lot of ramp, because the big, splashy, enter the battlefield creatures, wouldn't be able to come out if you didn't
2: have any of that. Yeah, I think it. We're going to talk about it later, but I think it it's yeah. even more ramp. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the 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 conclusion we sort of came to is that it looks like it's almost like a semi combo focused build. It 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 also has a sub theme of like reuse your enter enter the battlefield effects.
1: Yeah, which I think is something that it should focus more on. I think for my tastes.
2: Yeah, I think. But but as a win condition, I think what it's trying to do is sort of tempo people out, mm-hmm. um, keep everything on the board, sort of like. Uh, I don't know, unbalanced. Like, it's trying to bounce things back to people's hands or make it so stuff doesn't untap and just... Right. It, and then draw a bunch of cards and ramp to basically like one big high-impact creature. Um, we'll talk about them later, but there's something like Hoverguard Sweepers, which comes down, it's a 5-6 flyer, and it returns two creatures to their owner's hand. And then it wants to play like a Rite of Replication and copy that thing five times and bounce a million things back to people's hands and then just swing for the win. Yeah. That's sort of the win condition. It feels like, so. But but in the meantime, it wants to do all this weird stuff about like, uh, just bounce a creature here, make something hard to untap, like stuff wipe like that. wipe the board See, a couple but of the, times. And the oh, win con true.
3: you just you just presented takes it's super late game. What you just talked about is two turns and so high mana cost for both of them. Uh, I do think that possibly the you know Tide Spot Tyrant or something like that as a, an addition to this might be something to consider.
2: Yeah, okay, that's, that's a really good point. We'll talk about that when we get to the ad- additions, but yeah. But I think that's what the goal of the deck is, regardless of what yes. the creature that... like. There's a few creatures, I think, that, that that can fill that role of, like, I copy it five times and then I kind of win, but it, it sort of wants to copy one of its big creatures or bounce it and replay it a few times yeah. to, to sort of lock everything down or just create enough havoc that it can then win.
1: It's interesting, too, because this is the only deck that has the two artifacts slash equipment that... Like you equip something and it gives other people buffs for attacking other players. Yeah. So like assault suit and crown of doom. Like so it's interesting. It's trying to control And there's it.
2: a creature that makes uh, somebody else's creature attack somebody else that's not you. Yeah. Or yeah. you, get you to can tap who it for it one attacks. blue. Dulcet Sirens, I think. Yeah. yeah. So it's trying to create havoc out there.
1: Yeah. And it's also trying to, I think, try and push a new commander like idea, which is you are instead of controlling the board through counter spells, you're controlling it through these equipments or these cards that force interaction amongst other people.
2: Okay, so let's talk about what the three commanders are in the deck. Um, I'll start it off. We got Lorthos
1: the Tidemaker. Guys, watch out. It's a commander that costs eight mana. I love the art on this guy. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. It looks like he's about to. Oh, yeah,
2: he costs a million mana.
1: (laughs) Uh, So he's five and three blue for an 8-8 legendary creature. Octopus, don't see too many of those. Whenever Lorthos the Tidemaker attacks, you may pay eight. If you do tap up to eight target permanents,
2: those permanents don't untap during the controller's next untap steps. So this is doing one of those things we were talking about, which it basically like locks yeah. down like a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, um, the it's kind of thing- like icy blast almost from cons, although it does permanence, right? Right. So right. you can do their lands, you can do yeah, you can do anything. I guess you could do um, their enchantments. That doesn't feel like it would do anything. Though. You could also technically do their planeswalkers. <laughs> yeah. Again, I don't think that would do anything, but yes. Yeah, exactly. It's doing one of those things, although unless it's Sarkin. <laughs> I just don't like most generals that cost that amount of mana. Yeah, and especially because he has another thing that costs eight.
1: So y- he has to essentially live till your next turn to use it and be able to use his ability.
2: Yeah, and, and it costs eight. So you can't even, like, write a replication in him. Well, he's legendary, so you couldn't do that anyway. Yeah. So it's just... Well,
3: you could. They would just all die when they came in.
2: Yeah, they would copy one, and then you
1: choose which of the ones would die. But it's but not same effective.
3: T- <laughs> totally agree. That I mean, it's like you can only attack with them. You can't really copy that unless you do something like the, the twining... Uh, Rings of Bright,
2: Rings of Bright, or uh, what's the other one?
3: But incredibly hard to copy, like yeah. to, to really break well, what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: I, he's it's a powerful effect, but it just feels like it'd be like you're not. You can't like. Do you really want to not have mm-hmm. access to your general till like turn seven? Like you can't do anything with him.
3: Yeah. I could see him being the best one-on-one general in this particular set.
2: That's true. In one-on-one, he's very strong. Yeah. That's the other well, thing I was going to that's because that's an entire board for eight yeah. permanents. Yeah. In multiplayer, you're going to lock down eight things. That's not actually that much. It's like, really not. It, mm-hmm. it might be one player. And then what are you going to do about the other two players? Like, you just spend eight mana to do it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next guy, because I, I don't think any of us are a fan of no. Orthos. Well, we're we're fans, just not super fans. I mean, I want his autograph, but... <laughs> All eight of them. All eight, exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, the next one is the Planeswalker of the uh, of the deck. It's Teferi, Temporal Archmage. Archmage? Archmage. Um, this was spoiled at Comic-Con a while ago. Mm-hmm. A lot of you have probably seen it. It's four and two blue. For Planeswalker, five loyalty is plus one is look at the top two cards of your library. Put one into your hand and the other on the bottom of your library. Blech. Minus one, untap up to four target permanents. Eh. That one to me is the one that can be broken. Yeah. And then is negative 10 is you get an emblem with you may activate loyalty abilities of planeswalkers you control on any player's turn anytime you could cast an instant. Sweet. And he can be your commander. I forgot to mention earlier. So uh yeah, the emblem is interesting. It belongs in a super friends deck. Yeah, I was gonna say it's he... hard to use in a monocolored deck because you really only have what, Jace. Jace, yeah. So you the most uh planeswalkers you could ever have out is two. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so that seems like that's not even worth anything. The untapped four target permanents, there's probably ways to go infinite with that. That's a type of effect.
1: Yeah. that I feel like there's a way to do that without six mana and the Planeswalker as well.
2: And it's a minus one, so you can't even yeah. do it every turn. Um, and then the plus one is basically draw a card. You can pick between two cards, so it's like scry two, scry one draw a card, something like that. Yeah. I, I like
3: that ability. Yeah, it's I, a good I ability. think, yeah, but I think, you know, For six six mana is a little high.
2: Yeah. Um, Agreed. It also doesn't, look like it fits into anything we think the deck wants to try to do. No, not, so, not whatsoever. So, as with a lot of these Planeswalkers, we're not advocating that Planeswalker as the I general.
1: think it's really cool. It's a build around the, if you really want to build around Teferi, but at the same time, I can't really see him being that wonderful just because his emblem... I mean, here's the thing. All the other emblems on the other Planeswalkers are essentially unachievable in the decks they're in.
2: Right. Right. Um, unless, and But a lot of them, if you did get them, you're going to win or at right, least have a really right. good chance of winning. This sure. one is like... Uh, I don't know like yeah. you can activate- if it's
1: only affecting him and potentially like one other planeswalker you might have in your deck, it's just not worth it. It is yeah.
3: affecting him though, right? So I mean like every turn you could be drawing a card, which yeah. is super
1: powerful. But then you could also play consecrated Sphinx for the same amount of mana and draw twice that True. and True. not have to put one on the
2: Also his um, emblem allows you to tick him up on other players' turns and your turn. Yes. Yeah. So it would in theory he's putting more loyalty counters on himself. But his emblem doesn't stack, so if you get to another ultimate, like, it doesn't do you any good. But yeah. I,
3: my guess is you would use, like, one turn, you would bump him up. Next, next turn, turn, you minus, bump him down. Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, like, untap your if, lands. He,
2: yeah, if he, there was some way that that emblem was uh, could get additional benefit from having two of those emblem, then I think he might be even more oh, powerful that'd be cool. because right. then all of a sudden you're ticking him up four times. And you do it again and you ultimate him again. Right. But that doesn't actually do anything. I would love to
3: see how many times that happens in a game. Because, I mean, getting uh, a Planeswalker to its ultimate is so hard, especially what he pluses one to get to 10. Yeah. So it's going to
1: take, yeah. Here's the thing I think I've seen, I don't know how many commanders I've seen played commander games where a Planeswalker comes out and they never get their ultimate. I think it happened once. I mean, usually the way that I try to trick
3: it out is I try to make him with a green deck and then you put his doubling season. That's the only way you see them really ultimate in,
2: in multiplayer games because... Everyone just turns and is like, well, I'll hit the freaking planeswalker to keep him away from the ultimate. Like, you yeah. just, it's hard to hold off three players from doing any damage to you at all. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I don't know. Anyway,
3: I do kind of wish his ability, though, his first ability matched with what they're trying to do with this cons block. Uh, and I wish it threw it in the graveyard instead of at the bottom of the library. Then you could delve. So you delve, treasure crews, yeah. yeah. dig through
2: time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, totally Bring mean. it
3: back, recur it if you throw it yeah. in a black deck or something like that. There yeah. are some cards from the old sets that'll let you do something with the bottom card of your library, but I don't know if any of those are mono I mean, blue or like, if they're worth playing.
1: Yeah, they're definitely not mono blue. And the only one I can think of is uh, that Cranko. Gr- oh, Cranko. Cranko yeah. or the graveyard guy. Grenzo. Yeah. Oh, the guy from that. bombing your library. Yeah. 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 Well, you gotta, you're building a whole different deck if you're doing yeah. that. Yeah, magical dream world over here.
2: Okay, so, <laughs> and the next, um, oh, the last do you want to read it? Or you want
1: yeah, it? Uh, Craig, why don't you go ahead? And All right, Craig, you're going to read a card. Tell us yeah. who Stitcher Garolf so, is. Stitcher
3: Garolf is a legendary is creature, human. people call him? I don't know. Stitcher. I would say Jerolf, just because you
1: spell G- G- Jerry with a G. E. I'll say Gerald. Very true. Very true. Or and Gerald? Yeah. I'll say Gary, or so, Gerald. Ger- Isn't it Gerald Butler or is it Gerald Butler? Uh, I think it's Gerald. Stitcher Jerry.
3: Stitcher Jerry is a legendary creature. Let's talk about Jerry. He's a he's a human wizard. Two blue and three other. He's a three four. And uh, you tap two and one blue and tap him, and each player puts the top three cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. Exile up to two creature cards put into graveyards this way and put an XX blue zombie creature token into the battlefield where X is the total power of, creature car- of cards exiled this way.
2: Wow. Sounds complicated.
1: Sounds complicated. It's very similar to another general that does... Um... He comes in with X and Y based on like a card in your graveyard and someone else's, right?
3: Yeah, Phyrexian Ingester, which is really, really a good card that sh- should see more play than it does. I but think. that's not general. The that's not, general. not there's right a, general.
2: There's another guy that does. I can't, uh, it's not off the top of my head, but it's yeah. Similar to like. Well, either, anyway, what happens is you put this card into play, everybody takes the top three cards of their library, puts it in their graveyard, and then you pick two, the two biggest creatures that were yeah. put in the graveyard like that, and you add up their power, and then that's how big. Uh, yeah. That's how big... Uh, does he become that big? Hold on. No, no, Sorry. he puts it. Oh, that's yeah. how big the zombie token that he puts out yeah.
3: is. So just for my own clarification, that's only the turn... So let's say I do it, and it's the second time that I do it. Can I access creature cards that were put into the graveyard that way from I the first time? So. No, it's only, yeah,
0: only yeah, that, it's that, that ability, instance, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, the,
1: the problem with this is it's like uh, half of this is like you want to mill someone. Cool, you can start milling someone, and maybe you should have other effects that, you know, trigger when people put cards in their graveyard... But there's really nothing in the deck that supports a milling strategy strongly. Yeah.
2: I think the, the thing that goes with this deck is you have a lot of big creatures. You do. Yeah. So you have a good chance that you're going to rip a, a Stormtide Leviathan off the top. And then yeah. add it with somebody else. And all of a sudden, you got a 14-14.
1: But the other problem is you don't really have that many ways to mess with the top of your deck like, you don't have brainstorms and stuff to, like, put stuff back on top, so you can at least choose, you know, like, oh, yeah, like, right. I drew this this turn. Right. I,
2: I don't need this. I can't play it, but I'd rather use Stitcher, dude. You right. In the you just have... You're just upping the chances of, of, of doing it. And then... Yeah. I mean, but if you could pull it off one time, get a big creature, and then write a replication it, and now that you have, you know, seven 14-14s right. or six, I guess it would be, you know... It's something. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The, none of these generals, I don't like um, any of them for the deck. I agree. I think... Gerolf or Gerulf or Jerry, Jerry. I think Jerry is the best one. I guess if you know if you're just not going if you got to use one of these three, I, I would say him. I guess. Yeah. I mean, Teferi at least draws you an extra card every turn, uh, and you get to pick to, between the top two. So that's, And he's a play. I would walker.
3: probably go <laughs> with Teferi just because I f- I find Gerolf's it's it's too interesting. Yeah, I haven't I, played this deck yet, though. I feel so like I don't
1: the really minus know. one on Teferi is better than most. Other of these cards, I don't know. Untap four four permanents. I mean, it's just ramp,
2: and you might need the ramp in this deck too. Yeah. So you tap four lands, untap four lands, and you got eight lands. Yeah. That 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 could be worth something. Yeah. I could see it both ways. Yeah. But Um, either
1: way, none of these generals I don't think fit very well with this deck. And so you guys actually had a couple of other ideas, which I thought were really interesting.
2: Yeah, I thought um, Sakashima is 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 sort of a cheap general. I think costs like six bucks um yeah i'll it for you yeah,
1: sakashima the imposter it's from uh kamigawa betrayers i'm not sure which one that is. uh and it's two and two blue for a three one legendary creature human rogue and it's basically a clone creature uh, except it's not zero zero which is interesting uh, as it comes into play you can choose a creature in play so you can choose something that has hex proof by the way uh, if you do Sakashima comes into play as a copy of that creature except its name is still Sakashima the Imposter it's still legendary and gains 2 and 2 Plu return Sakashima to its owner's hand at end of turn
2: so to me this is a way to continuously use an enter the battlefield effect from one of the big creatures mm-hmm. you play Sakashima you get the enter the battlefield trigger it bounces people's stuff or makes it so they don't tap or whatever, and yeah. then you, you bounce Akashima back to your hand play it again. Yeah. Back it's also hand, protection
1: it in case someone tries to get rid of her. Yep. Um, and also, like like it, it for like it's really cool because you're playing your general like kind of backwards where you want to play other things, and then your general is going right. to come in as a toolbox card that you always have access to. And it's nice if you have eight mana because then you can do it and then you know bounce her at end of the end of someone else's turn and then replay her again. Or as soon as she gets having, targeted
0: with something. Yeah, but you yep.
1: don't need to pay extra, which is nice. You can just have her in your hand. Yeah, unless someone forces you to discard her, then sad days.
2: <laughs> <laughs> then sad days. Sad days indeed. <laughs>
3: so I totally agree that that is the perfect. Just insert that as your general into this deck. If you're getting into this game, I, I agree. Get this deck and then get that as your general, and you can you can hop off doing some crazy stuff. Yeah. In I mean,
2: there's there's blue is a very powerful color. There's a lot of generals you could go with, and you probably would be fine. I mean, yeah. like honestly, if you just put Mem- Memnark at the helm of this thing, like you that don't do have to well be, too. you don't have to be fully supported Memnark deck for that to be powerful. Absolutely, you know, I think there's probably a lot of ways to go. But just to keep in the theme of what the deck seems to want to do, yeah, that feels good. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about the lieutenant cycle cards. The, right. the lieutenant for this deck is the Storm Surge Kraken. Release the Kraken. Yeah, these guys aren't very happy
1: about the Kraken being
2: released. No. <laughs> <They're laughs> but like, you're, but oh, you will be, I yeah, guess. Yeah, you should be. It's three and two blue for a creature Kraken 5-5. Five, five. It has hexproof. It also has lieutenant. So as long as you control your commander, it gets plus two, plus two, and has whenever Storm Surge Kraken becomes blocked, you may draw two cards. So, basically, never block it. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to block it, but it does. It does smash them in the face for seven if you have your general, which is you know, they it's can't take to too many at. of those. Yeah. yeah, you can't take too many of those hits, um, and they
3: can't touch them either. The the hex proof. So the hex proof, I think, it? is the best part about this. Yeah, I agree. Well,
2: besides the draw two cards part,
3: the draw two cards is yes, obviously, <laughs> yeah. yes.
1: The thing is, in the commander game, you probably will have a target for to to attack with this at, at some point. So I think at you know I think. In an ideal world, you'll draw a ton of cards off it, but at the very least, I bet you'll draw at least two. I think overall, See, I wouldn't be surprised.
3: I'm going to say something that I hope isn't blasphemous, but I, you know, I uh, appreciate that they did this. And at the same time, uh, whatever. I think that this deck specifically is better as if you buy it and you already have a few EDH decks that you're looking to make better. To supplement, uh, yeah. Exactly. Than as a deck by itself. I do think, though, that with Josh's recommendation of. That other commander this could be a really bonkers deck um but someone like hit this i really like for someone like uh uh edrix by master of trust because that way if they, right they block if it or they, they don't block it there you're to drawing draw a card right yeah right.
2: i think this it just doesn't it's not an enter the battlefield trigger. It does draw cards, so I don't think it's like one of the worst cards in the deck. I think eventually though, if you want to stick with this deck and really fine tune it, yeah. it just doesn't have an enter the battlefield effect. Yeah. You know, and you're just generally not going to win by smashing people in the face for 7.
1: I could see it being fun with dulcet Sirens though, where you're like, "Hey, hey he only has one blocker or one, yeah. one blocker and you make him attack someone else and then you're like, "Haha, you're tapped now, so I'm going to swing at you." For- no,
2: but you don't want him to be tapped. You like it's a weird card. You want him to block it so you can draw two cards. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Or oh, yeah, take it right.
3: to the face. I mean, seven to the face or draw two cards. Either way, it's good. Again, it's
2: another one-on-one card to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Because absolutely stronger absolutely, Yeah, because he, if you've got three players you're playing against, hitting one of them for seven is just not going to get you there. It's fine. It's not bad. It's just like, I don't know. Would you rather play a card that costs five and draws you just four cards or something? Like, you can get that. Yeah. So there you know it's fine but if what you want to do is draw cards there's better cards for that and if what you want to do is smash them in the face there's probably better cards for that again i think it's fine i just don't think it's it
1: it, it, it's a weird it's weird when you get creatures that say build around me that aren't commanders because it's like i don't want to build around you get out of here storm surge kraken like (laughs) i'll play jace's ingenuity and draw three cards for
2: the same amount of mana i wonder if you put this with uh, whenever storm surge kraken becomes blocked you may draw two cards i'm not a judge if somebody blocked it with three creatures, would you draw six cards?
3: I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it triggers once. Just if you get blocked once. Because yeah. it becomes blocked. I think no matter all the because otherwise the you could put like a lure it. on it or oh, a roar yeah. of the challenge. Oh man. And then you just be like, yeah.
2: Okay, how you got a token deck. I'm gonna draw twenty seven yeah, cards. Yeah, I think it's it because all the blockers are assigned
1: at the same time. Twenty seven cards. <laughs> yeah. Well tokens only to count 26. as half creatures, right? Right. <laughs> right. My bad. Uh, so let's talk about the other uh, the other special mentions here, which is Intellectual Offering. It's oh, yeah, the group the... hug cycle. Yeah, you choose an opponent, and you choose another opponent, and two things will happen. So it's four in the blue for an instant. Choose an opponent. You and that player each draw three cards. Okay. Five, okay. For, five for three. It's, mm-hmm. it's about the normal cost. Choose an opponent. Untap all non-land permanents you control and all non-land permanents that player controls. Interesting. Instant See, Speed it's I, weird. I, I
3: really dig this because especially we've all played those games where it gets super political yeah. and someone's like, oh, attack him or blah, blah, blah. You can really surprise someone with this, which is, yeah. I think, really awesome. And you can really kind of like make a game altering change, especially if you're playing Hidden Partners, which is something that we haven't played too much, but I used to play a lot uh, when I played at the card store. And so a card like this is perfect for Secret Partners because now... What does you Secret know, Partners do, Craig? Well, Secret Partners <laughs> is when you d- you have, uh, let's say, two face-up, if you're playing a five-player game, there would be two face-up people uh, who, who are would,
1: you know... Definitely against each definitely other. Definitely against each other. Oh, ally. it's like a sub-format? Or yes, a yeah. sub-format. And then three face-down people,
3: people. There's player. one lone wolf who doesn't have a partner, and then the, the three face-down people know that, you know, they're against each other. And it's, it's all up to teams. So let's see, there's the white team, the black team, and the lone wolf. Um, you know, something like this, if uh, one of those, yeah, one of the face-up people is about to get taken out. One of the face-down people could then play this and be like, haha, We both draw three cards, and you, you can, can untap all, like you blockers. can actually block all yeah. your all the guys coming your way." Interesting.
2: That's what I think is actually interesting is the uh, idea of because the draw three cards is clearly something you want and you don't really want to give that to somebody. This deck is not really well suited to untap all my non-land permanents, which is basically creatures. Yeah. Because you're going to have a a few big creatures, not a bunch of little ones, Um, which means in a lot of instances, eh, that's going to do something, but it's not going to do something amazing. But you can really be like, oh, I'm going to draw three cards. Somebody else is going to draw three cards, but you do it in the middle of an attack where one of your opponents is attacking another opponent. Yeah. And you blow them both out. or, Or, sorry, you blow the one out, you know, because you're like, oh, you know, now you can block them and you can destroy the creature that and they didn't see it coming yeah exactly because it's your turn next now you have three extra cards I mean, you can do it with yours too but it's just the the availability of doing it is a lot more when there's interaction between other players involved so i don't know i think it's just okay though
3: i agree very much just okay but i also see this as situational interesting addition to something like niv-mizzet where you're trying to make people draw Draw cards yeah right
2: right yeah i think the application for other decks is a better again than this deck um and yeah. who's that
3: guy that you play? Nekusar or something? I, yeah, Nekusar. Nekusar yeah. the same it's, thing.
2: It still wouldn't be that good. It's only like hurting one person. One, a yeah. Little yeah. Bit. Right. Yeah. You, and you never want this on this one on one. This is not either. worth a card in that deck at all. I just keep going back to the green one. The green one is like green so and X. So great, yeah. And you get X elves and 1-1 elves, and somebody else gets X 1-1 elves. And, and you, you get also an XX. And yeah tree folk creature and somebody else gets an XX tree folk creature so you play that for 20 mana you get 20 elves and a 20 20. Yeah, in a 2020 yeah this draws three cards and untapped stuff like it's not <laughs> even on the same power it's not even close it's yeah. like it's crazy not to
1: mention the green deck specifically synergizes with that because you're going to be able to tap other elves for mana depending on how many elves you have in play so you can like do that and then great i'll now tap this elf
2: and get 20 mana back or whatever exactly because you have the ability to create so much mana and it just totally yeah i I can't help but think they gimped the uh blue deck a little bit on purpose because the blue is such a powerful color throughout the history of magic that it's i mean they could have built this deck to be a beating You know, yeah. I mean, we were playing the other night and uh, we were playing with a friend, uh, Alex, who's been on the show, Kessler, and he has a tsunami in his deck. And that just shows you a tsunami destroys all islands. That's Mm -hmm. all it does. That just shows you how powerful blue is that he feels he can draw, he can have a card in his deck that destroys all islands that's going to literally be worthless sometimes. But he knows that blue is so powerful, it's just prevalent in the format. Yeah, it's Uh, worth a slot. That it's worth a slot in his deck, yeah.
3: And I think there's also, you know, uh, us saying that blue is the strongest color in Magic is absolutely true. And we all know that mono blue is, unlike some of the other colors, kind of not fun to play against, which I think they (laughs) really, they answered that problem, I think, in this deck in that... This seems like something that's not a hassle to play against, but is still. Yeah, possibly it's got the blue yeah, That's control. a really good point
2: because they didn't put a bunch of counter spells in it. They didn't yeah. put a bunch of the, of uh, of uh, control magic stuff. They didn't mm-hmm. put a bunch of the stuff that people hate to play against. That's actually that's a really good point.
1: Yeah. So good job on that front wizards but you also made this deck
2: weak and we can't like i see i love it because i have I a bunch can... of decks
3: that uh, i'm looking at a bunch of these cards like oh that'd go well in this deck yeah and, oh, well, so i think, go well yeah, in this you know what?
2: i think we have to do probably a couple episodes down the road of like taking the cards out of all these decks and what decks what they, they might go, go into, into. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah
1: so well if you want to be stitcher garoff about the uh about the blue deck and tear it apart then stitcher girl would definitely go perfectly yeah, in a black Gerolf. oh that's right stitcher jerry i'm jerry. saying you are stitcher jerry and you're taking this deck and you're stitching
2: parts of this onto other decks. oh stitcher wow. jerry should the definitely flavor. go yeah, the definitely flavor. go the in flavor. a black
3: deck so then he can recur those things that he threw in the graveyard
2: <laughs> okay yeah. so going back to this deck let's talk about the best cards uh Craig, what what do you think the best card is?
3: Cyclonic Rift is like (laughs) in every deck. Every every blue deck that I have has Cyclonic Rift in it. It is amazing. It's unbelievable. It's the best answer. It's as as an instant for returning everybody else's stuff, like especially late game when somebody's like, I swing for the win. You're like, ha-ha. No, you don't. You want to read it? Uh, Yeah, it has an overload cost. Cyclonic Rift is a blue card, blue instant, one blue, one other. Return target non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. Uh, It has an overload cost of one blue and six other. You may cast this spell for its overload cost. If you do, change its text by replacing all instances of target with each.
2: So So it says... If you play the overload cost, which is seven mana, it says return each, each. non land permanent you, you don't, don't control, control to its owner's hand. Oh what a You blowout. don't
3: control. It's crazy. So yeah. it returns
2: everybody else's permanents to their hands, but not yours. But not mm-hmm. yours. You turn on the board. Seven mana too. It's insanity. Freaking- and it's an instant. The
1: freaking, um, the eight mana commander costs more than that.
2: Yeah, it's probably (laughs) one of the single best blue commander cards. Yeah, Uh, There
3: were a lot of ways that they could have made this a lot more fair by making it a sorcery or making it your stuff as well. But they were like, no, let's just give blue like the best card.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's an amazing card. There's so many times when you play this card and you just kind of win because the tempo lost by everybody else is so great. They might... You know, well,
1: they have to discard too sometimes because yeah. their hands are huge now. Usually,
2: you you bounce all their stuff back to their hand. You attack somebody, either kill them or almost kill them, and then they all play one thing, <laughs> and then you're like, "My board's the same. Kill you." Yeah, you know. Not to mention if they're like a token deck, see ya. Oh yeah,
3: all yeah. that stuff is just gone. The yeah. only way they survive, I've seen people survive after a cyclonic rift is if the stuff getting bounced up to their hand is like a soul ring, a ma- you know, yeah. a bunch of mana yeah. rocks. So they're like, next turn, they're like, "All my mana rocks are back out."
2: Yeah, so toss it back out. And you can um, toss your water bottle, like, right off the table. That's yeah. right. He Cyclonic like, <laughs> Rifted it off the table. I'm
1: so mad.
3: So
2: that's an amazing card. Cyclonic like, uh, Rift
1: clearly is. Yeah. Th- just look into this card if you are playing blue in the deck.
2: You'll probably put it in there. The next best card is, I don't know, possibly my favorite card after co- counterspell. It's Moldrifter. Four and a blue for a creature and elemental. 2-2 two, two, Flyer. When Drifter enters the battlefield, draw two cards. Sounds good to me. It also has Evoke for two and a blue. That means you can cast this spell for its evoke cost if you do sacrifice it when it enters the battlefield. So you can make it into a divination if you have to in in dire straits. But generally, you just play it for five, and you get a 2-2 flyer, and you draw two cards. Which is pretty great. Best thing ever! Yeah, not to mention, it's all about bouncing
1: this guy. It's all about recurring him or creating copies of him. Uh, Mold Drifter just screams value. You yeah. Know, at the end of the day, you get to draw cards, and you know, if you have enough mana, you get to have a little flyer that's sitting out that
2: can chump block for you or just be the target of a bounce or whatever. Or if you have Sakashima as your general, then all of a sudden you play Perfect. Sakashima, yeah. copy the Mold Drifter, draw two more cards, and bounce Sakashima back to your hand, then play Sakashima again, yeah. draw two more cards. Like, that's the kind of broken stuff you can do with Drifter. Um, it just gives
1: you options in case you don't have any other big place in your hand or whatever. Yep,
2: and worst case scenario, you play it out, draw two cards, block something big, survive a little bit longer, and you have more gas in your hands. So.
1: Yeah, pretty solid. Uh, it It is, it's as good as it gets. All right, next up, we got Rite of Replication, two and two blue. Uh, sorcery, all right, finally, sorcery speed. Kicker, five, so you may pay an additional five as you cast this spell. Put a token that onto the battlefield that's a copy of target creature. So for just four mana, that's It's okay. a clone. It's, it's fine. It's a clone, yeah. yeah. If Rite of Replication was kicked, put five of those tokens onto the battlefield instead. So for five more mana, you get four more copies of something? Yeah. Which is insane because if you think about it, it's like, okay, if I played four or five Rite of Replications, that would be 16 or 20 mana. Right. But you can pay nine instead and get so many just by
2: kicking it. I mean, even if you just copy a Drifter five times. Oh, my gosh. You draw 10 cards and you have five two two flyers out that's pretty good and that's mold is not the best card to do this to. No. you can do this to. there's a lot of cards in this deck you can do this too for instance the next card we mentioned it earlier it's hover guard sweepers six and two blue for a creature drone five six flyer when it enters the battlefield you may return up to two target creatures to their owner's hand could you imagine ride a replication this? Because that's eight mana.
1: You'd be able to ride a replication this in the next turn. You yep. could you could bounce everyone's
2: creatures back to their hands, including your own that you want to play again. Yeah. Or just, yeah, you can bounce 10 things. And then you're also left over with five, five, six flyers. Actually, six because you have the original. Yeah, yeah and so you can actually have That's bounce. 30 power in the air. You probably can just kill. You bounce somebody's stuff, and then you can probably just kill them. Yeah. You could also just bounce this back to your hand, too, and play it again next turn. Bounce two more things. Yeah. Yep. It's, yeah. um, that combo and that type of combo, right of Replication, one of your big Into the Battlefield guys, is what I think, that's sort of the win condition. Yeah. You know, the big, flashy, kill-everybody win condition that the deck has. Um, but you can also just do right of Re- Replication for value. So there's a lot of Into the Battlefield creatures. We're gonna mention more. Uh, you can just really trigger that a lot, get a lot of value off it. You know, maybe it doesn't kill everybody right then, but you, you're just, you know, if you draw 12 cards... You know, off. You're of gonna it. be so. You're yeah. just in really good shape. Yeah. yeah. So, um, another
1: card that we should mention as a special mention that I think is a really awesome card is Reform. C- when you get the tokens for this deck, you'll see why this is so great. At first, it's just a three and one blue for an O one. So wham Uh It's a creature worm. But when Reform dies, put a three three blue fish creature token on the battlefield with. When this creature dies, put a six six blue whale creature token on the battlefield with this with. When this creature dies, put a nine-nine blue kraken (laughs) creature token on the battlefield. So So basically,
2: every time you kill it, it gets bigger. It levels up. Yeah, yeah. I love it.
1: I love it too. Because for four
2: mana, you get three, six, you get eighteen power. (laughs) And they just, you know, they're gonna board wipe, and you're gonna still have something. And then we're gonna do board wipe again, and you're gonna still have something. And like, it's 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 really cool. Yeah.
1: Essentially, no one's ever going to single target this. Or, They'd have to exile. Yeah, they have to exile. And exile for the or part, bounce. Yeah, yeah. bounce. I, the I think what would happen is that he's just going to sit around until someone does a big board wipe effect or like a thing that gives everything minus ten, minus ten, or whatever you know, and like. But that's things. still it'll die. And exactly, then it'll come yeah. back as the
2: big thing. Yeah. yeah,
1: but so essentially, like it, it has staying power and it's going to stay around for a while.
2: It's just a really cool commander card because, which by the way, if you write a replication, that thing. Oh my god! Oh yeah,
3: it's going to be awesome.
2: Yeah, you write a replication that, and then you're Put just sack immune outlet. to board wipes. Not even immune. It's like they can't board wipe because instead of a bunch, instead of six three threes, you're going to have six six sixes. Yeah. And then they can't board wipe because instead of six six sixes, you're going to have six nine nines. Yeah. Like,
1: I, <laughs> I like this with a with a sack outlet as well. Yeah. So you can also get extra mana, and then make all your low guys into nine nines.
3: I think that's one of the best commander wise, one of the best blue cards ever printed. It's because it's sweet. it's so easy to take advantage of. There's a, commander for me is all about taking advantage of things and building something that you can do a lot of different cool things. And there are a lot of different cool things you could do with that that you guys just went over a bunch of them.
1: Yeah. All right. Cage Sun is another honorable mention. Oh, yeah. Um, and this is a really great card for Commander, too, because it, it doesn't. Uh, a lot of these mana doubler cards uh, often affect your opponents as well if they're tapping their lands for that same amount of mana. Cage Sun is one of the very few that doesn't. Uh, it's a six drop artifact. As it enters the battlefield, choose a color. Creatures you control the chosen color get plus one, plus one, so obviously blue. Uh, whenever a land's ability adds one or more mana of the chosen color to your mana pool, add one additional mana of that color. Cage Sun is the better version of Gauntlet of Power, as far as I'm concerned. Gauntlet of Power is cheaper, costs five, but it... Uh, the
2: difference in mana is not that important.
1: Yeah, and and it affects everyone. So if you Gauntlet of Power and did blue, anyone that had blue would also be able to tap blue and gotcha. get twice as much. But Cage Sun uh, keeps it as as just you, which is really sweet.
3: Cage Sun, I, I like to have it in pretty much all of my mono-color decks, and blue is you know the one that it happens the most in. I, don't, I think it's a perfect addition to Talran, but... For this deck, I'm sure it works very well trying to get big creatures out.
2: Uh, and the last card we want to talk about under best cards is a new land called Arcane Lighthouse. It is, you can tap it for uh, one colorless, or you can tap one colorless and tap Arcane Lighthouse, and until end of turn, creatures your opponents control lose Hexproof and Shroud and oh. can't have Hexproof or Shroud. That's so cool. Yeah, it's very, very cool card. Um, this is going to be a staple in a lot of decks, I think, now. I'm going to buy one for Whisper all Sil- decks. Cloak, and... Um, Swiftfoot Boots. Swiftfoot Boots. Lightning and just, Graves. Yeah. There's just so much like Voltroni protect my general type stuff, and just being able to strip them of all that protection and yeah, then kill yeah. it.
3: Forget that. I mean, just Sigarda. That's like Sigarda. Yeah,
2: Sigarda. <laughs> Sigarda,
1: as a commander, is unbeatable sometimes if you don't have the right toolbox of stuff. Um, and the nice thing about this, too, is because you can do it at instant speed. It, you know, you could wait until someone else's turn and they untap and, like, hey, do you have a removal spell? Great. I tap two mana. Go for it. Take out this thing that's been terrorizing yeah, you the board. Can, you
2: can team up with somebody to sort of, even if you don't have it. Yeah. Yeah. That's because, good point.
1: I mean, very often you run to that thing where it's like, okay, guys, well, I can steal his, his boots for one turn, but he'll get it back next turn. So if you guys can do anything, please do it. Uh and then you do it and like ultimately no one can help out. And yeah, someone's
3: you... like, Oh, what I have is
1: a sorcery
3: that would not work right now. Yeah, exactly.
1: And,
2: yeah. Make sure you really discuss that with the table before you do a, a move like, yeah, take their yeah. swift or take their um lightning greaves, and then nobody can kill it right then, and then they just take their lightning greaves back, which yep. happened last night. It
1: happened, yep. Exactly <laughs> what happened. And it was very sad. <laughs> and poor Kessler played probably his least favorite game of Magic in a while, I think.
2: Is it is it evil that I took sick joy in that? No, no that no, was great. No, I think you should have it, taken. That's such what commander.
3: That's what Commander's all about. If it came sometimes. down to two v
2: two, and it was like two. It's like
3: if I'm not oh, going to win, I'm so so going to make control. you
1: suffer. <laughs> 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 there was a lot of control in that game. Um, so I think the blue deck has a lot of really single strong cards, um, and, and not to mention it's also got a bunch of like staples, like Mold drifter. Obviously, the lighthouse is is super good. So is cyclonic rift. So. It's got a lot of really strong individual cards. They just don't really mesh well together and that's a thing that we're gonna I see. I think there's a
2: way to make them mesh well. Like rider yeah. replication and Mulderford, they do work together. They do. You know, but so if you're just playing
1: this out of the box, I think you're gonna have a lot of trouble. Because if you draw just all your big dorks and you don't get any like of your mana ramps or if you don't get any of your ride replications, then your deck just sort of falls flat in its that face. That is need, one of
2: the problems with deck like this. Um you need a healthy combination of yeah. everything. Oh well let's move along here. Let's let's yeah. talk about the worst cards. Um Card I don't like. Uh, it's not that I don't like the card. I just think that in this deck, there's there's easily replace... It's easy to replace this effect with sort of a strictly better version. Is Call to Mind. Call to Mind is two and a blue for a sorcery. It says, return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Now, you you have instant and sorceries. Um, th- it's not that the effect is bad. I just think you can just easily switch this out for an archaeomancer, Mnemonic Wall. Mm-hmm. A creature that comes in, and does the same ability. Like, an Archaeomancer costs one more blue mana. So it's one more mana. You get a creature with it. It's not that I care about having a 1-2. It's that I want to be able to bounce that 1-2 back to my hand and play it again and get another Instant or Sorcery out of the graveyard. Or I want to Sakashima, copy it, get another Instant or Sorcery out of my hand. Like, if I play Call to Mind, that's it. I do that once. But if I play Archaeomancer, I have a chance to repeatedly use that ability. So that's a card that I just think, you know, easily re- upgraded. Easy to upgrade
3: a great point i'm surprised they didn't do that with this deck especially with how reliant on creatures it is or it's you know it seems to be
2: i think um they don't want you to just buy it and then you don't have to do any work to it right Right. they want to give you you know a perfect outlet to spend money (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah they want and also like that's part of the fun of magic it's it's you know Uh, yeah i'm sure there are people out there that like to just not deck build but deck building is as much a part of the game as the playing of the game and so for some people that's actually the part they enjoy the most. The most, yeah. So you want to yeah, exactly. Yeah. Craig has more it's 50, decks 50, than you could hold
1: in your both hands. <laughs> I
3: love putting them together. I love yeah. finding new synergies that I didn't know existed before and yeah. looking through like tappedout.net and
2: being like, "Oh my god, that's
0: perfect for that."
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they want to it's it's good they're playing, you know, they're they're designing it to their customer base and, you know, they don't want to give you a product that's like you shouldn't be touching. They want to give you a product that's like a stepping stone. Yeah. And then you can take it in these different directions and you can make the decisions and you can make the choices. And 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 so I love monocolored
1: decks. I think it's such Me a great too. it is the perfect stepping stone, I think, because it's also like if you if someone's just playing again for the first time in many years, there's no easier way than just be like monocolored. Don't worry about mana. Don't worry about all these it's other way things. Less it's way less complicated way less complicated. But it can also be equally tough.
2: Okay, well, let's continue. Uh, more in the worst card category, the cards we don't like and would definitely fog check out. bank.
1: This is a card that I put in my first commander deck, and I looked in and I was like, "This is sweet." It's one in the blue for a zero-two defender with flying, prevent all combat damage that will be dealt to and dealt by fog bank. So it seems like it, it
3: seems really cool. Yeah. I, I got to admit, I remember when you had that in your deck and being like, "I just can't get around this fog bank. <laughs> like, yeah. I just couldn't kill it."
1: Yeah, here's the thing. Like, it does die to removal, and it's really sweet if you're going, like, one-on-one versus a Voltron Commander. So, if you're like, block your cigar, that block your cigar, that block your cigar, then. Yeah, they're like, crap, I have no answer for that. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, but That's it's rare, like, though. You get more than two people what? at the table, then it's like, block your cigar, that die to you. Oh, Fog Bank. Yep. It's not Board so hot anymore.
2: Yeah, Or Anything, I have really. I whisper, whisper Silk Cloak and I'm just unblockable. And then yeah. what are you doing? I like, have five yeah. creatures. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's true. I have two creatures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. Stupid fog, fog Bank. Dang Fog Bank. Yeah. I just, uh, I think, easily replaceable in the deck with something that gives you an enter the battlefield effect yeah, that Yeah,
1: like a Baleful Strix. Yeah. Is that the one that draws you a card when it comes in? Oh, I think it's and Blue. But yeah, there's a lot of other two drops that, that do more fun stuff.
2: Yeah. There's a ton. Yeah. It just doesn't do that much. Yeah, yet. and
1: you don't even need to be a creature. You know, you could replace it with a spell, a bounce spell.
2: True. Uh, you want to read the last card? We we think is the worst.
1: Card? Yeah. So
3: the last one's turn to frog, which it's
2: not the last one. We think a lot of other cards. We're just not going to talk about every card in the deck. So
3: yeah, exactly. And these are the three kind of worst ones. Uh, and this turn to frog is a instant for one blue and one other. Until end of turn, target creature loses all abilities and becomes a blue fla- frog with base power and toughness
1: 1-1. This card is great if another card that didn't exist that costs one more blue mana and says essentially Cyclonic Rift version, which is each creature becomes well, a it's, 1-1. it's target opponent. Of target, target opponent, opponent right? yeah.
2: But you can turn... So, yeah, what Jimmy's saying is there's another card called Polymorphous Jest. It costs one more blue mana, and it turns one target opponents all their creatures into one one frogs yeah so you might as well just play that for one more mana because yeah
1: it's way more effective than to serve one for one like turn to frogs great as a battle trick oh you're attacking with a big guy turn him to a one one and block with anything and he yeah. dies but it's much better as a as a big combat trick because then you can combo it off with something else that you know might be able to bounce you know or just do one damage across the board to a lot of things you know it, there's just a lot more and also like the fact that it turns off abilities and stuff too is That's much more my effective yeah. when you can do it to all
2: their creatures instead
1: of just one. That's I
2: my favorite part about that card. One of the things I don't like about turn to frog in EDH is just a lot of times it, it will be a wasted card. Like you'll turn their thing into frog thinking, I'm going to block them. And they'll be like, okay, I'll maze of with my own guy and I'll wait till next turn when he turns, when he's not a frog anymore or he'll do something, you know, something else. So it's just, eh, it doesn't always kill something. Sometimes it just like buys you one turn.
3: And I think like uh, it's also very versatile because of what Jimmy just mentioned about losing all abilities. Like I, when I use a card like this, I will typically use it on something to give it. N- it's not indestructible anymore. Right, right, right. right. And uh, as an instant, that can be used. I mean, obviously they're not put saying it there's no uses, has, Yeah, yeah.
2: they have got an avison out. The original avison, not the new one. Right, right that's You a cast that on her, and all of a sudden, all their board stuff's not indestructible, works. and then you board wipe. But you're in blue. Yeah. You yeah. are going to board wipe them. You are going to cyclonic riff them. Now, if you're teaming up with somebody else, listen. You can use it. Like I said, I just think the application is nar- more narrow than you, know, Actually, you can find something that's wider. And
3: interesting to you know what you just brought up. I think an, an interesting you know switch out for this would be something like boomerang or something like that. So yeah. instead of that, you bounce it up to their hand. At least that always yeah.
2: does what you want it to do. It always returns it to their hand, like right. you know, barring getting countered or something. Yeah, this sometimes turns their thing into a frog, and then okay, they just. Don't do what they were going to do, and they just wait till next turn to do it. That's uh, how
1: it goes. All right, Well, right, let's talk about some cards you might add to this deck to make it, uh, to make to pimp it out just a little bit. And uh, again, we're keeping it to a budget. We want to keep things under $5 or less. They might go a little bit above or below. The variance is there. But we want to just make sure We're not
2: sure going to that... talk about a bunch of like $30 cards. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. But I mean, that's the beauty of Magic is that there's a wide enough... I mean, the idea of popper decks and 75% decks exists and they're super effective. Uh, and so there are going to be lots of cards in the history of Magic that cost not that much and are able to make a huge... Effect on your deck. I
2: think of all the decks, this one actually has the most room to be improved for the least amount of money because it does need that improvement, but there's a lot of cards in blue that do what you need to do. Like these big tempo-y creatures that cost a lot of mana, they're not expensive because they don't get played in legacy or anything. And then a lot of the stuff that like sort of bounces that stuff and lets you replay it is not expensive stuff. So when what you're going to start getting into is if you want to get into like really expensive counter spells and the stuff that's legacy playable from blue, like Force of Wills and stuff, that's where you're going to get into the, like, the realm of like, okay, now yeah. I'm spending like $75 for this yeah. card and you, yeah. know, you don't need to for the way that this deck is constituted.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially like one card in here, like don't play Force of Will, play Swansong. Yeah. It's a single blue mana counter target spell. It's controlled. It puts a 2-2 bird into play that has or, flying.
3: Or foil, which is in this deck in mono blue, just as good as Force of Will in, in a lot of respects mm-hmm. and a free counter spell, which is what you want.
2: So there's a lot of sort of budget stuff you you can add to this deck to make it a lot better. Um, the first thing I want to say is Vidalcan Orrery. Uh, right. I'm also going to put Leyline of Anticipation in there. They're, you might even play both. They basically let you play any of your cards at flash speed. Yeah. So this is really important to me because I have enter the battlefield effects on creatures. So I want to be able to do those on other players' turns. Also... Right of replication is a million times more powerful if you do it on the end step before your turn, because not only do I cast five copies of something, and then use their answer to the battlefield trigger to like disrupt everybody else out there, but then I can also they have virtual haste yeah. because then it's my turn right after that, and they don't have summoning sickness because I cast them before my turn. Yeah. So I think it's really important to be able and 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 blue is the Drago color, so it's the. You want even your draw spells. Like if you're going to draw five cards, you don't want to do it during your turn because you're not going to be able. You to might p- counterspell something. Yeah. You might you know, or even the threat of counterspell. Like you're in blue, so if you just have three mana available, people, people will slow down. Yeah, they'll often be like, "I'm going to play my second best thing. I'm not going to play my best thing because I don't want it to get countered." And then on the end step, being able to be like, "Okay, well, nothing important happened. I'll play Mold Drifter." It's very powerful. Yeah, yeah. Well, the nice thing is, too, yeah, you always want to leave
1: mana open as blue uh, because a lot of times, let's say you do, you have, like, six mana. Playing a drifter and drawing two cards, you're not going to be able to do anything else that turn, right. so you may as well wait to the most optimal moment to do it and, ha- and have threat of activation up. So you have any kind of mana up, people will look at that and think twice or just at least act a little bit differently because you are able to interact with their board in a way that they cannot necessarily predict.
2: But and the thing is, like, if you don't have a Dokonori or ley line of anticipation and you just hold up mana for a counter spell and nobody plays anything you want to counter, and then it comes to your turn and and, and on the end step before your turn, you don't you can't do anything. You just wasted a whole turn. Yeah. Because you purposely didn't play anything because you wanted to counter something, but then nobody played anything you wanted to counter. And so you did nothing for your turn. So being able to do something Oh, nothing important happened. I want to counter, or I want to, you know, do something else about. Okay, then I will still, I still got my turn because I still played my Mole Drifter. I still played, you know, one of my other cards with an end of battlefield effect, or even just a vanilla creature would still be fine because at least you did something for that turn. And then you, your turn comes, and you draw your card, and you say draw go, and and and. You know, you do it again. It's very powerful. Blue is really good at this. And
3: blue is such a Drago color. And if I may say, I, I would say that uh, the Ley Line would be my preference in this specific deck because of the Sapphire Medallion, right. which makes blue spells cost one less. So it's one, it's three instead of four.
2: And Ley Line also you and, put into play for free if it's in your opening hand. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I would put both in because I think it's so important to what blue wants to do in a mono blue deck. That I just want to make sure I want every chance I have to get that effect. In fact, I wrote down Quicken. Quicken is a, a one mana instant, one blue for an instant, and it's the next sorcery you play can be played as if it were an instant. So it gives your next sorcery flash. Mm-hmm. I would even play that card because all your all your um, card draw spells, they're sorceries, Rite of Replication, things like that, like it's very powerful to be able to play them as sorceries because it just allows you to draw and say go, and then make your decisions. You know. When you, when you know everything that's happening at the table. It's kind of like blackjack. Like, what's, <laughs> what's the house's advantage in blackjack? The house's advantage is that it goes last. Yeah. So you have to decide whether you're hitting, and if you bust. Based on
1: limited information.
2: Yeah, and if you bust, you lose your money, even though the house hasn't even gone yet. So if you bust out, you go to 22 or 23, and then the house busts out later, you still lose your money, you don't tie. So that's a very powerful thing in games, is when you go. You know, being having it be like the your opponents are doing stuff and you're you're going after them. Right? In in poker, the same thing happens. There's a thing we call the button and that's the last person to act. That's the most powerful position in poker because you get to see what everybody else has done before you make your decision. You which want to is, be deciding after everybody else has made their decision.
3: Which is always to your point the advantage of playing blue because you typically play a lot of counter spells and so you'll say play go and mm-hmm. then you know like you said, you'll wait till the end of turn and hopefully you have some sort of flash creature or flash effect to be able to take advantage of that power position.
2: And even they don't know if you've got one or not. So they have to play around Oh, that's
3: it. the best part. Yes, I mean exactly. pretending that you have one when you don't yep. and you know you know you have some super powerful creature maybe that you're like, "Oh man, I just I need two more turns to get enough mana to play this creature." but I'll fake it like I have a counterspell yes. yes. so nobody plays something to to mess with my board.
2: I mean, in fact, unlike every other deck, every other mono deck, like how you play this deck, like yes. what your posture is at the table is probably the most important to this yeah. deck than any of the, the other colors. The best
3: card in this deck is your face. How good is it? Yes. <laughs> the best card in
2: this deck is your face. No, it's That good. is a quote of the day right there. <laughs> it's a really, really good point. Even if you don't have a counterspell, if somebody casts something and it's sort of important, be like, hold on. Don't let them just resolve it. Be like, hold on. And just go into the tank for ten for five seconds, you know, just be like, "All right, all right, it resolves." Yeah, and then everybody else after that will be like, "Oh crap, he's got a, counterspell. He's got a counter gotta spell." I got to think yeah. about it. Like, I'm not going to just cast my most important thing. I'll I'll cast something less important. And you could have, a, la- have a, a a hand of lands. Yeah, they don't know. They, have they don't no know. Yeah. So that's that's it's very that's very very powerful. And Line of Anticipation, Vidalcan, Ori, yeah, quicken to a lesser extent. There's other effects that that do this type of thing. I think it's very important. So I would definitely I would definitely add that to this deck
1: definitely uh, another good card mimic vat uh, this is in my kiki jiki deck as well because that that deck wants to essentially bust out enter the battlefield effects and mimic vat is a great way of doing it it's also just a great way to just steal someone else's creature and and this is blue this has i so, it doesn't
2: technically steal it; it just lets you use a copy of it. It steals right.
3: it kind of because it, it exiles, exiles it, it when it gets it exiles out. it oh, yeah. under it I mean, for it a while. I mean, doesn't steal a card that's in play. Right, 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 right. right.
1: So Mimic Vat's three-drop artifact it has imprint. Whenever a non-token creature is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may exile that card, and then you can return each other card exiled with Mimic Vat to its owner's graveyard. So you can do this to any number of creatures. You only get to have one under Mimic Vat at any time. And then for three and tapping it, you could put the token on the battlefield as a copy of that card.
3: And sometimes, like, the nice thing about Mimic Vat is you're playing against a deck that, let's say, Shieldred or Caridor, where they're graveyard recurring or something like Mm -hmm. that. Or even the black
1: deck. The black mono deck, yeah. Just the mono black deck, yeah.
3: Yeah, and uh, something like that where with Mimic Vat, now they can't access that for at least as long as you have it under the Mimic Vat.
2: Yeah, that's a little confusing. Um, just to re-explain, what happens is if something goes to the graveyard, you can choose to imprint it on Mimic Fat, and a cr- then non-token creatures. You can only have one non-token creature imprinted on Mimic Fat at a time. Yeah. So if you had something already imprinted, and then something else comes in, and you want that, then you have to put the old one back into their graveyard. So that now they have access to that. So you can't just sort of like hide all their creatures from in their graveyard <laughs> yeah. away and they can never get them back. Mimic Vat isn't big enough to yeah. hold more than one guy. I think it's really good in this deck though because your guys, you yeah. have big yeah. seven, eight, nine casting cost creatures with huge enter the battlefield effects. And Mimic Vat allows you to just put one out every turn for and, three mana and yeah. copy that enter the battlefield effect. So Hover Guard Sweepers, which we talked about earlier, bounce, bounces two creature cards or right. bounces two things back to their owner's hand. If you do that every turn, you can literally just make it so somebody just can't make any headway. They just can't play out three things in a turn, so then nothing ever sticks. Yeah. You know, it's it's great in one on one, but it's also great in multiplayer too, uh, just to be able to constantly, you know, reuse your battlefield effects.
3: So does it have to be... It has to be from the v- battlefield, right? So yeah. Like, yes. Jerry... Having Jerry directly. as your general would not make I know, this card it should super work broken. That way. Yeah.
1: It should work that way, but... You well, know. you know, it doesn't for a reason, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, true. it's true. It would be broken with the well, whole Well, especially with,
3: like, the new Jace and stuff like that yeah. and how I wanted them to word this to fairy... In, yeah.
1: in general, anytime it's an effect that if when something hits the graveyard, almost always it's from the battlefield. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it becomes an incredibly powerful card. Right. Because there's so many other ways to get stuff into your bin.
2: Well, in the old days of magic, we used to do this thing where you would draw your first card for the turn and you would play no lands. And so you'd have eight cards. And then you'd discard oh, some huge creature. Mm-hmm. And, because, and then, you would just and play, then you'd just play, play. And then on turn two, you'd animate. Like reanimate, it, yeah. So on turn two, you could get out like an 8 8. You know, and because the cards weren't worded that way. So they sort of ratcheted up that wording so you can't do shenanigans like that anymore. Although you can still use Animate Dead if you want to. It still exists and it's legal.
1: I never even thought about that play. I'm always like, why would you not play a land on your first turn?
2: I remember getting in huge arguments because the internet didn't exist in uh, 1994. Absolutely (laughs) no rules. Yeah, it was (laughs) like Scry Magazine and Inquest. (laughs) Inquest. It says you know blah 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 it doesn't say discarded it says you know yeah it but it just says in the graveyard it's in the graveyard doesn't the game doesn't care how it got there and then their counter argument but it's not fair yeah exactly (laughs) i don't know take seven man sorry (laughs) yeah (laughs) all
1: right um craig you had some uh good additions as cards that you wanted to put in as well why don't you talk about some of your favorite counter spells
3: uh, some of my favorite counterspells are, you know, one that I mentioned earlier, Foil, which is a very inexpensive uh, free counterspell where you discard an island and another card, uh, and you can cast Foil for free. Um,
1: otherwise, That's cool. Can you get a Foil foil?
3: You can, and I want one.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's kind of like a mini Force of Will. Uh, Force of Will forces you to. Um, Discard exile a blue card from your hand. Foil is actually kind of nice because you can just discard an island and any other card. Doesn't need to necessarily be a blue permanent. So that's actually kind of nice. Good, good free counter there. There's also hinder, um, which essentially is a tuck spell, and it's used as a tuck spell more than anything else because well, it's a counter tuck. It's a counter tuck, right? You pay three mana, one and two blue, and you put the creature or spell on the bottom or top of this owner's library instead you of You counter graveyard. the spell and yeah. then
2: put it on the bottom of the
1: library. Yeah. yeah. So you can just spell take Spell Crumple is basically
2: the same thing. Yeah. Yes. You can just
1: take a commander and tuck it on the bottom, yeah. uh, which is really crazy. Uh, and it's a really powerful counter spell. That's why it's not, <laughs> it's actually like $3 for an uncommon, yeah.
2: which is crazy. Spell Crumple is not super cheap either, but yeah. both of those are super powerful because so many commander decks, if they don't have their commander, they just, the deck does not. Doesn't do. function. Yeah. yeah. So those are totally shut down certain decks. Um, Mystical Tutor I wanted to talk about, which is a tutor spell costs one blue. It lets you go search your library for an instant or sorcery and put it on top of your library. Um, it is spell disadvantage or card disadvantage because... It's you, spell advantage. Yeah, it's <laughs> spell advantage but card disadvantage because you played a card, but it puts that card on the top of your library, so you have to draw it next turn. Yeah. Um, but you've got tons of card draw, and also like you can go find your best thing. And what I think this is really going to be used for is go find the right of replication so I can try and win. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's a big deal, and I also like Merchant Scroll, which is like that, but it lets you only just go find an instant. An instant. Yeah. But worst case scenario, just go find the mystical tutor because it's an instant, and then go find the source yeah. you want. If you not if you to mention, to you're going to be
1: playing this on someone else's end step, so it's one blue. You're going to play it right before you draw that card.
2: Yeah, it's you, still card disadvantage, but yeah, yeah, you most of the time you don't care. Exactly. Especially if you're getting Rite of Replication. That's a freaking five for one. Well, I so, think I
3: think it's only I, instance. So Rite of Replications is sorcery, right? Well, Mystical Tutor, mystical tutor can, a, can Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Merchant
2: Scroll only gets an instant, but yeah. like I said, Merchant Scroll for the Mystical Tutor if the, what you want is the Rite of Replication. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, and there's other instances of sorceries you might want. I just Which yeah. I
3: think a few other counterspells that uh, you would definitely want to consider in this deck are a counterspell. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, rewind... Yeah,
2: um, I don't think this wants to be a, a big counterspell deck, though. Right. Because... But you should have a couple counterspells yeah, in I think, there, regardless. I think Spell Crumple, Hinder, maybe Swan Song or Foil. Yeah. I think you, and, and original counterspell. Like, four. Yep. I think four or five are good. Because,
1: well, the thing is, if you're going to be playing Leyline and and you're going to want to have other options
2: to leave mana up for. Right, so. but your card draw spells can be that, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It, it's just, it, this deck isn't really situated to be a full-on control deck. So if you're going to, like, dedicate a lot of slots to counter spells, what are you taking away from? You're taking probably away from your win condition. And then it's like, well, I'm going to counter everybody's stuff, but then how do I win? Right, right. You know? But but part of the
1: win condition is making it to the late game when you're able to do this stuff. So if it really is, like, if there is a deck that, like, destroys, there's a card that destroys its deck, you have to at least... Know that out of the hundred ninety nine cards, that six or seven of them are counter spells, so you can reliably draw at least one to stop
3: it. Yeah, in that case yeah, that happens. yeah.
2: I, I'd say I'd say five is probably the spot where you want to be. Ab- and ab- I would I would
3: more. even make the argument for rewind over over Swan Song for right. for the only thing that the the Bluebird as a two two flyer is somewhat powerful like you know they can have really? equipment that they can so you get you you swan song me the other night and gave me a 2-2 flyer which i then was able to choose which one of my creatures was the least good which i determined that the 2-2 flyer was <laughs> i sacked that and then i got another a 4-5 flyer that gave me an extra ability into play
2: yeah but i mean it just gave me a,
3: it just gave me another option if right, you had if you I stopped, had rewinded me one mana right
2: was way worse than what happened over the course of the next four right. turns.
3: Also, with something like rewind, with uh, with the um, medallion and the cage sun, you can now right, you, you can get, untap. Gain you mana from you that. gain mana
1: from that. Right. Rewind yeah, by true. the way is counter target spell two and two blue, and you untap up to four lands. Right.
2: But it costs four. So. That's my point with Swan Song. Like, Absolutely, uh, the more Counter Spell costs, the least, the less powerful it is. Is and Swan
3: Song non-creature?
2: Yes, it's non-creature. Okay, yeah. yeah. The, to me, like Swan Song, I want to do a whole podcast about overperformers, but I think Swan Song is like w- way overperformed because two two flyer, you just generally don't care about. And like you said, yeah, it leads to some sort of shenanigans after you do five things, but who cares? Like, what I need to do is stop the thing that's going to kill me right now. Yeah. And for one blue mana to be able to do that. Is like really powerful. Like it's close to Force of Will or Pact of Negation, which are expensive cards. And yes, better, but you know, Swan Song costs like seventy two cents. It's
3: tough to argue with one mana. Yeah, it's
2: tough to argue with one mana. Um, Yeah, and Rewind is a good card. I'm not saying don't put it in if you have it. I'm just saying be careful. You can usually put like it's blue. People want to put a lot of counterspells in, but you put ten counterspells in this deck, like. Yeah, you're going to stop a bunch of people from doing stuff, but what are you going to do?
3: Right. See, and I'm like, super, I'm, round, and I'm great. super Johnny. So my mind is just like on fire with all the possibilities that can happen with rewind in this deck. Right. Like, oh my God, if I have this out, then this combo happens. Right. Right, right, So for me, it's super fun. So I'd rather play. something I generally like, like
1: that. things that untap stuff. Like, I think Palancron wouldn't be
2: a bad addition to this deck too, because you can bounce him. Palancron's great in this deck because you're using it the battlefield effects. Yeah. Well, I think it
3: comes down to my Johnny personality Bouncing too. Stuff, like, what yeah. type of person are you? How are you? how do you want to build this deck? I want to build it so that I can interact with my own board a lot. Whether I win or lose, I interacted with my board. I, right. My my deck performed the way I wanted
1: it to perform. Right, right. All right,
3: All right. so
2: moving on. Um, oh, another card that's like Sakashima, it's not a legendary creature, so you it, Oh right. So you can't um, use it as your general, but I think it still goes in this deck, is Mercurial Pretender.
1: Right, which people usually think is a card that just sucks because it can only copy stuff that's on your side of the battlefield. Right. But in this case... You want to rely on your battlefield more than someone else's. Right. So it th- copies one of your own downside. creatures
2: and it has the same thing. You can bounce it back to your hand when you want to for a certain amount yeah. of mana. So it's just like Sakashima. It's just another effect that does that.
1: I like the idea that you build this deck around those big creatures and then a bunch of really cool clones. Yeah. Like Mercurial Pretender, uh, Clever Impersonator. So it's like this: it's the clone deck of the four-drop clones and then the eight-drop monsters. Yeah, you
2: drop like a nine-drop monster and then you just last one turn and you copy that thing like four or five times. Yeah. And it has some crazy inner-the-battlefield effect. And not only that, and most of the inner-the-battlefield effects are either bounce their stuff back to their hand or tap it all and it doesn't untap. And then you just attack with all your, you know, huge creatures because you just cloned something that yeah. was an 8-8 like six times. And what I
3: love about Sakashima above all, especially having her as the commander of a deck like this is that you can bounce her back to your hand which is another card that should be go in something like this which is Capsize which right. then you can yes. use on your, your other things to, you to bounce back. them back. Yeah. Buy it back. Do it on other people's things.
2: Capsize is a boomerang. It bounces a permanent back to owner's hand but you can buy it back for more mana. So you can basically keep using Capsize once yeah. you get to five mana. For six mana. Six, six mana. mana yeah. so once you get to six mana, you can just boomerang something every turn. So it's just a way to sort of continuously use your own end of the battlefield effects, or in a pinch you bounce one of their important things, and you can just keep doing it once you get to a certain amount of mana. This this deck yeah. is really mana hungry. That's the other thing I would say is just ramp. Whatever ramp you've got, whatever you can find, it's gonna be mostly mana rocks and things like that. Like you want a lot of ramp.
1: You want and, a lot of ramp.
2: <laughs> yeah, and decks like this are it's like you said earlier, Jimmy. They're tough because you get these opening hands that are like all ramp and no spells, or all huge creatures and no ramp. And yeah. the thing that evens that out and and is card draw. So yeah. and and you're in blue, so you can do it. So if you draw a hand that's all ramp but one card draw spell, you're fine. Yeah, if you draw a hand that's all big creatures but a couple card draw spells, you're probably fine. Like card draw allows you to S- go find game, the piece yeah. that you're missing because you need ramp and big creature. You can't or you know, you can't just have one of those things because they do nothing on their own. Yeah, or a
1: tutor. You know, that's. I think that takes place as card draws in a way
2: because you yeah. can find whatever
1: find you want the, for it. Yeah, yeah, if I
2: need ramp, I go find that. If I need... Which, yeah.
3: to both of those, I think Fabricate is something yeah. that should be added to this because, you know, there are very few tutors in blue, and Fabricate searches for an artifact, puts it into your hand for one blue and two other as a sorcery. Um, and you can search for stuff like Sapphire Medallion, which I think is the best ramp in this... Um,
2: Right, because it just makes everything cost one less. less. Yeah. Fabricate's awesome, yeah. I, I. Hope- I'll just go find Sol Ring with find, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it, Sol, Sol Ring. Yeah, Sol Ring, your Vidalcan
3: is, Orary, yeah, your yeah. Assault Suit, what, yeah. you know, whatever you want. In it's this great, stat. yeah,
1: because there's cards like Trinket Mage and another one that that have mana costs that are, like, you can only find an artifact that costs one or less, or six or more, but it's Fabricrate for right in the middle. For three mana, you can just get anything you want. Yep. Which I think
3: is, you know, interesting what they're doing with red now. You know, it seems like they're making red the artifact color, which it always has been reliant on, on artifacts and whatnot, but they never made it the search for artifacts or anything right. like that, which it's... Right. It seems like they might be moving in that direction. It's always been very uh, traditionally blue. And well, there blue, are. Blue and white a- are the affinity colors. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But and red there is s- a
2: metal craft color. So right, okay. That's I think okay. that's why they pushed it right. there. Ah,
3: yeah. I like that. Okay. I like
1: the idea of making this deck uh, putting more artifacts in there because there are also some big artifact creatures that do enter the battlefield effects, and then you could start putting in cards like Tinker, not Tinker, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that like would be Trinket so Tinker is awesome, but you can't do it. <laughs> it's kind don't of a cheat. Cheat, Don't cheat kind of ban, please yeah. unban it, please. Trinket no mage. way, <laughs> Trinket Mage. Yeah, and, and like you, you have ways because that's another enter the battlefield effect you can abuse, which is great. Yep. yep. So. I think artifacts sub-theme with uh Well with artifacts are good in all gray. the mono decks, right? Because yeah. you're
2: in a mo- one color and your color pie is really re- relegated to like what that one color can do and yeah. you're weak to all these other things that the color can't do. So you have to have artifacts in all of them to cover you in the areas mm-hmm. that normally I just pair it with red and then I'd be covered but I can't yeah. do that because it's monocolored and then or if you twin card.
3: cast it or something like that you could always do you know another speaking of unbannings uh, you could always do, go with uh, Metalworker oh Metalworker then, that's right you know grab something else like a Blightsteel
1: Colossus or something <laughs> like that and be like ah, <laughs> that's your we're dream we're turning this play. into a Memnarch yeah. deck yeah now. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah
2: uh metal worker actually probably good in the red deck not so much in this one I
1: yeah think. unfortunately that card went ahead and ballooned in price as soon as it yeah, got. and yeah. i traded one away beforehand because i was like they're never gonna unban this thing look at this card it's ridiculous and they unbanned it so thanks guys <laughs> um
2: another card i wanted to mention is glenolindra oh uh, yes. we've talked about her a few times she uh is a two-two flyer for one blue, you sack her and you count and you counter a non uh, creature spell, mm-hmm. and then she has persists, so she comes back with do a negative it one, more time. one. Yeah, you can basically counter two non non creature spells with her. Um, but in this deck, if you can bounce her back to your hand then play oh, her yeah. again, then the one one counter goes away. So that's really powerful. Or you copy her with Sakashima. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's great. So actually, I don't. When he goes to the graveyard. He, he retains, he I
1: believe, he retains the text when he hits the graveyard, and then he would be up. He would back come before. back as, and you could copy something else, I believe. I think, I'm not
2: sure. Again, we're not judges, but we've that made kind rules and yeah, so yeah, I don't know there. That kind of effect, though, whether it works with Sakashima or not, it works with a lot of the effects in the deck, yeah, exactly. So I just think she's really powerful. Um, yeah,
1: she's an auto include too, just because the, the spell that's going to
2: kill her, she can counter. Sakashima
3: <laughs> would come back with a minus one, minus one counter as whatever you
2: wanted it to be. Excellent. And then you would bounce them back to your hand, play them again, and you're yeah, dead. exactly. Yeah. You're so dead. it's it's very powerful. Glendalindra is a, a good addition to this deck. Um, yeah. And then
3: one more, I think, is uh, back to basics. Oh, like yeah. if you want to be like super mean, there are two cards. One this which is, is the blue, blood very moon. inexpensive, oh, and really? one that's very expensive that I want to bring up next. Um, like back to basics makes all non uh, all non basic all lands. lands don't untap during their controllers untap. The steps. Blue blood
2: moon. Ugh. Yep. It's and Blood Moon, as we know, I hate, but yeah, you're playing them on a blue deck. There's no reason not to play this well, card. It's it will slight, just
3: slightly different than Blood Moon. I mean, it keeps non basics tapped. Oh, it's different. It's it's, d- it's different. Right. Yeah, no,
2: it's different. But it's doing what Blood Moon does, which is turn off a lot of their mana. Right.
3: Yeah. Right, yeah. right. 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 Which yeah. most of you know, anybody who's playing a three colored deck, which is if you're playing from the 2011 or 2013 cycle, that's what you. You
2: rarely see more than like most people are playing a deck and. At least half of their mana is non basic. Yeah. Probably more. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So this is turning off half their mana usually. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a really su- good card. Super brutal. Yeah, it's a really good card. It will make people want to destroy you, but it's a really good card. <laughs> I mean, you got, I would definitely put it in um and oh, then talk about the awesome expensive one yeah and
3: so there's another one that uh you know if you've been around playing for a while like uh, like josh and i or if you you know just wanted like super ball out because this card also ballooned. you will
1: ball out if you uh, play this card uh, also yeah.
3: you know recently ballooned in price as well um from legends there's a card called invoke prejudice which is, it costs four blue. By the way,
1: let's just talk about the art for Invoke Prejudice. It's like Ku Klux Klan members. Dude, <laughs> art, yeah, it's,
2: it's actually really good art for back then, though. Oh, yeah,
1: it's great. Yeah. It, it totally evokes what the card's all about.
2: Yeah. Uh, it, so it's, it's four blue mana.
1: Yeah, essentially what it says, if someone casts a spell that doesn't match the color of one of the creatures you control, creature ha- creature, spell, a creature, right? they have to pay an additional X, where X is the original cost of the spell. So they have to pay double, otherwise it's immediately countered. So if you're mono blue and they play a black creature, they
2: have to pay twice as much it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, an extremely powerful card. If, it's full of prejudice. If you're in a mo- <laughs> monocolored deck, um, it's just like, oh, well, I can't cast any of my car- my creatures now. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's like $150 or $200 or something, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's 134 I, just found, I found one DCG3. of these in my collection recently. Wow, how lucky. It's like finding mm-hmm. it. Great. cool, dude. <laughs> yeah, like hey I man. said, if you've
3: been I playing you for a while, for and <laughs> you're very definitely put it in
1: your deck. If uh, <laughs> I'm super stoked for you, actually.
2: You're storing super stoked? <laughs> yeah, stints? can I borrow it?
1: Thanks. <laughs> If you're just looking
3: to punish people, you know it's like 100, 134 bucks. Yeah, it is you a know. punishing. You could card, always indeed. you could always get a Legends one for less, or uh, an Italian one for less. There you go. So that's right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: prejudice. yeah invoke prejudicio. Yeah, Invoca. am pretty sure that's that's proper. Italian. That's exactly what. Sorry it is. to any Italians who are listening. Though.
1: Well, you can t- you can comment and tell us how to correctly write down the name of it and how to pronounce it as well. Well, I we won't mess it up next time, but this time we're
2: gonna butcher it. <laughs> Okay, so that's, you know, listen, there's going to be a lot of cards you can add. Blue's super powerful. Um, That was just a quick overview of some stuff you can do to just quickly improve it. Uh, you know some of the more cheaper ones will improve it by a lot so yeah. yeah
1: this is a really fun deck i think it's it's asking to get taken apart and put back together like you are the stitcher jerolf jerry that you are
2: this one needs more work than the others
1: yeah agreed uh, i yeah. think out of the box this is definitely a little kind of the weakest because you can have some really terrible card draws and if yeah. you don't get a nice starting opening hand you could just be dead in the water for like 6 turns you know
2: i'm still not super down on it because there's that one statistic there are sixteen card draw cards. Yes, exactly. That will even out a lot of your draws, and also there's nothing better in the world than just drawing cards when other people aren't drawing cards. Yes, yeah, yeah. agreed. Yeah. So good times.
1: That's that it. That wraps up all five of our commander decks. Uh, we're we gonna made it. we're gonna play them all against each other at some point, and we'll come back and talk about whether or not what we said worked out, what we found to be weaknesses that we didn't see, maybe, and we'll analyze it a little bit more. Yeah, um, I
2: think we should do a couple episodes. Uh, Craig's sort of accidentally suggested that we um, uh, talk about what you what can take out where. and put it into other decks or build a whole other. In fact, I'm building a Titania deck. So I'll, oh, have, nice. to, I'll have to report on that uh, in a future oh, episode. Titania, Argoth, yeah. Crucible of Worlds? Crucible, of course. <laughs> yeah, Life from the Loam. Uh, well, yeah. we'll talk about it later. Um, Craig, let's talk about your new venture.
3: Yeah, so we're uh, doing some toy openings with uh, with Jimmy on a new channel called Toy Surprise Daily on YouTube.
1: Let's not downplay it. We're opening a bunch of toys, and it's not just me. There's a lot of other people coming in, and toy openings are cool. They're hot uh people like to watch them i find myself watching booster pack openings uh and so this sort of you is see that one where the guy vein. opened the lotus yeah yeah it's awesome <laughs> i thought he was about to have a heart attack man i i mean i can't blame i him. would too man are you kidding dude, me $30, he got just sitting in hand. and
3: didn't he get like not an underground sea but he got a tropical island yeah, got a tropical too island. oh my god What's like one, lotus, of my favorite, one of my favorite one trop- of my favorite lands yeah, right. blue green come on
2: yeah, you're come excited on. about the tropical island There's are you kidding me yeah dude yeah. I would have been so happy. That thing came back great. I
3: really been like, you know if what you I would have said? I would have been like, well, like- I could use one of these in my commander deck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> lotus. Jeez, yeah. what I'd be
3: happier about the, the basic lands because I'd be like, oh, man, my decks are going to be so pimped out. If you bust out he
1: black got, lotus yeah. in the commander session, I would let you play it. Because I'd be yeah, like, I've never seen that. Might as well have. Yeah, just do it. You
2: Just do it, yeah. You know what's funny about that video is my girlfriend. Like, I didn't see it. My girlfriend's like, hey. There's something on Yahoo.com about a guy opening magic cards. I'm like, what? So what's
3: crazy about that video is I had people contacting me from, like, I hadn't heard from them in 10 years. They're like, yeah, I heard you were doing some stuff with magic cards. Did you hear about that guy that opened up the (laughs) alphabet? I was like, yes. Yeah, how, <laughs> yes. how how are uh, you how are doing? How, are, <laughs> how have the last ten years been? Exactly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so toy surprise daily, toy surprise it just daily recently on YouTube on YouTube. Yep, yep. It's unboxing and opening up all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, all kinds yeah. of new I mean, fun my like Lego and packs and man. They watch these videos yeah. all the time. They will love this channel. Yeah, oh, it's exactly. gonna be awesome. Doing
3: it, some Lego builds, some you know, bo- opening up a bunch of Lego packs and Halo packs. And yeah. Stuff.
1: So even if this isn't serve you up your alley, if you have a younger sim- sibling or a cousin or a niece or a nephew or that kid? or a kid yeah that might be interested
2: this is sort of the perfect outlet because, or because you just want to keep them quiet for a little while
1: <laughs> yeah i didn't want to go that far but pretty much yeah
2: i want to shut i'm gonna lie up? sometimes i'm like my nephew i'm just like okay here watch this just here. stop talking for him. just a few minutes just a few minutes yeah, give, yeah uncles, I... give uncle's ears a rest
1: yeah uncle needs to drink some more
2: <laughs> <laughs> whoa whoa whoa
1: whoa dark paths we're going down uh don't don't associate drinking with toy surprise daily <laughs> <case>. uh <laughs> But yeah, it's you, uh, the channel. I guess would have started yesterday because this podcast comes out on Tuesday. So make sure you guys check it out. We're gonna have all the links below um, and yeah, in the show notes. Yeah, show notes. Oh, and VG final episode. Dun dun, dun dun dun! It's
2: an hour long. It's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. It's got. I mean, it's hopefully, most of you have already watched. It's like a free movie. It oh, is yeah. like a.
3: It is like a movie.
2: I mean, it's like a movie that you guys released for free that people can watch. Like, yeah, it's. Epic in scope and scale. So many of those shots are just so cool. We're blowing stuff up left and right. There's like... a 200 gallon explosion in this episode uh, yeah. that uh, I was lucky enough to be on set that day when you guys blew that up, and we were probably oh, we I'd were say alert. about half a mile back from yeah. it, and literally you could feel the heat from it. Yeah, from that far away, and like, like you whoosh over you backwards. Yeah, yeah it was pretty. Yeah. intense. I have some great cell phone video of that. Like, don't even if you haven't watched the rest of VHS. This episode is totally fine to watch because it's just action-packed, like, yeah, you know, tons of awesome, like, action. It's what everyone's been asking for, yeah, essentially, yeah. so. But but do watch the rest of VTJS. I'm just saying, if you haven't, you could watch this episode still.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, Craig, thanks again for coming on the podcast, buddy. Thanks for having me again, guys.
2: Cool. All right, guys. We will uh, see you next time. Yep. And
1: I'm going to keep playing that
2: Peace. <laughs> <laughs>
0: For your attention, for further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee See you later, alligator.
2: Greetings, human. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home,